0: Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to listen to our new podcast from the So What Did You Learn podcast network. This podcast is called The Seven Bells for Reasons That Will Become Apparent in Short Time. My name is Alex, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Zach. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, and on this podcast, we will be reading chapter by chapter through a book called Sabriel, the first book in a series often referred to as the Abhorsen series, but is technically called the Old Kingdom series. The series comprises, so far, five full novels, one novella, and a collection of short stories with another full novel on the way. Hmm. We... Let's kick it. It's like a Game of
1: Thrones thing. Yes. For people it call it Game of Thrones, even though it's Song of Fire and Ice.
0: Yeah, okay. pretty, pretty much. I get you. Yeah. Uh, we, however, are starting uh, at the place All Good Stories begin the beginning. So. It's a good place to start. Thank you. Do-re-mi. Uh, now, how this podcast is going to work is that I have read the series of books before and i love them dearly Mm -hmm. words and all and zach here has not i haven't i haven't read a bit no uh we will synopsize each chapter go over interesting things we learn about the world uh, and then zach will rate each chapter on a scale of one to seven zach would you like to say a few words about how you see this podcast going um i'm interested to see how this
1: podcast is going i legitimately have never heard of this series at all before you brought it up to me um but i like fantasy as i mentioned before uh let's Listen to um i've read all of the song of fire and ice books nice i have not because i'm trash <laughs> eh, you're not missing that much
0: <laughs> i only saw season eight okay <laughs>
1: yeah i'm watching game of thrones in reverse it's real weird <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no I, I i see this podcast being a lot of fun and getting delving into a dense as dense a world as this that has so much content behind it it should
0: be kind of fun to jump in and see where it all started yeah, I, I, uh, I'm i lo- really looking forward to this because uh, this is a series of books that I have uh, purchased for multiple other people. Um, I think, counting you, Zach, because I did uh, get you the, tr- the first three books. You sure did, because I was too lazy to buy them myself. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. I'm going <laughs> to get in these books. You will be... I just bought the series for another person, so that was three total people I've bought so... the entire three first books for because i'm just like you need to read these so you're they are fan. so good i am a um i don't want to go so far say i'm a super fan but i'm like a really big fan what about a super duper fan that's one stage after a super fan zach god, damn it. god <laughs> well maybe at the end of this podcast that could be the goal to be the super duper super fan. duper fan i think uh being a super duper fan means that you are willing to make a podcast about <laughs> reading <laughs> the book <laughs> I don't know what you're
1: talking about. I think it's the best way we've ever tried to get laid in the (laughs) world.
0: Jesus. Okay. (laughs) So about the author of the book, his name is Garth Nix. He's an Australian writer who specializes in young adult fantasy. Uh, He was once a senior editor at HarperCollins, but now, um, I think as of 2002, uh, he enjoys being a full-time writer. Which is the goal of all writers is to only have to do that, I would assume so, yeah yeah. Uh, some of his other works that he is known for are his key to the Keys to the Kingdom series, his seventh tower series, and his novel "Shades Children, uh, of which I have read zero, so that just shows uh. Maybe I should branch out a little bit
1: yeah, you know. <laughs> in my approach. But, but it's clear that the man has a, uh, he works in one, not a wheelhouse. I don't want to say he's a one note, but yeah, that's, this is, this is where he works in young adult fantasy.
0: Yeah. It yeah. Seems. yeah. And I think, I think uh, Shade's children might be a uh, slightly more sci-fi if my memory serves me correctly, but I could be mm. entirely wrong. Um, next bit. Oh yes. So this edition that we are reading uses uh, cover art Uh, made by Leo and Diane Dillon who are uh, two wonderful artists who uh, work together for over 50 years creating um, over a hundred covers and illustrations for different science fiction um, speculative fiction works Uh, some other notable let's see I have it written down here in my notes some of their most well-known authors that they have made covers for are Kurt Vonnegut, Philip K. Dick, Ray Bradbury, and probably the one that stood out to me the most that I remember is the 1975 reissue of A Wrinkle in Time by Madeleine Langle. Ooh, cool. Um, yeah, they... Um, so I'm going to go a little bit more into the artist because... Uh, you know, we skipped over Garth Nix a little bit because we'll be uh, experiencing his work uh for the <laughs> remainder of this podcast, so he gets a little blur, but I think the um the cover art needs a little bit more delving into. That's a it's an often forgotten thing
1: about uh about books is that you know, especially with VHS um covers back in the eighties and nineties, um that was a big thing that you know, you'd wander through the the video store, and you would pick things based on the cover. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. people forget about that about books and like, oh, it's just a plain, you know, leather bound right book. But this is it. It sells the book, and mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. A, it's a beautiful piece of art. Um, if you haven't, please look up uh, look up some of the some of the art online. It looks fan fucking tastic. Yeah,
0: and I mean, to get this specific one, I would look up Sabriel S A B R I E L Dylan D I L L O N, and that will come up with this specific artwork for. Um, this and then actually the next two books and uh, the next two books in the series are Lirial and Abhorsen. And they Abhorsen was actually the third to last book they ever made cover art for. Uh, something that I find really interesting about the Dylan's work is that uh, being a collaborative team, um, they actually described the work that they made as being done by a third artist because in working together on the same pieces, they would go in directions that they wouldn't have normally gone in if they were working on it themselves. Interesting, almost like a game of telephone. Yeah, or like, I think um, it was sadly um, in, I think, Leo Dillon's um, obituary, uh, or someone was interviewing uh, Diane Dillon about Leo Dillon after his death, and she was talking Mm -hmm. about how, you know, one person would choose a color and it didn't land quite right mm-hmm. as the other person expected or even the the person who put the color down expected and it would kind of influence how the rest of the piece would come together or what kind of how they would shape everything
1: yeah every each of the other's decision kind of influenced the other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it kind of built from there that's yeah. really cool it's it's yeah, that's i thought it was interesting
0: and uh um not only is their work, like, really sumptuous and textured and... Detailed. D- very detailed. But um, something that is also, I think, really important is that starting in the 1970s, a lot of their work was very ethno-racially diverse. Hmm. So you didn't see a lot of that. You did not see a lot of, um, especially like in the 1970s, sci-fi novels were either abstract sort of things, or they were white people, white people, white people everywhere. (laughs) Not much has changed. It's a fucking (laughs) avalanche of white people. (laughs) Um, and so it's an angle. (laughs) Look out. (laughs) Um, but I think what's important for, especially for a young adult, um, uh, Works of fiction or anything really is that the more diverse you you can appeal to based on the cover, the more young adults will actually feel that this work is for them, or they yeah, can they, fee- they can identify with what's on the front cover. It's, it's
1: easier to envision yourself as the hero, and mm-hmm. that's something I did, especially as a kid, a lot of just you know a picture in your head of like either what the hero looks like or yourself being that, and it's it's very important, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know that's why I loved you know. Characters that wore glasses when I was a kid. Mm. (laughs) Oh, I wear glasses, and so I love Egon Spangler from Ghostbusters. (laughs) (laughs) He's my favorite. Exactly. (laughs) It explains a lot about me. (laughs) Uh,
0: But um, for those listening, I highly recommend checking out uh, the Dylans artwork because um, they did, I think they did an illustrated version or illustrations for a version of Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, oh, which cool. they did. Um,
1: but uh, it's really interesting. You were ch- telling me about uh, their art even before you told me about uh, this book series. Mm. Uh, and it got me really excited for that. Because um, I was like,
0: "That's no, so cool. And I just like, there's <laughs> like this thing. And just like your hand like this. And her hair is like all like blowing.
1: That's exactly what
0: you sound like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I get super excited about something, I turn into like <laughs> a Maria Bamford character. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, anyway. So, um, let us dive in. Yeah, let's um, get this started. Uh, right on the inside of the cover on the first page is actually a map of the world that we will be exploring, which is the sign of all good uh, fantasy work. Is oh, when you, you gotta g- have a map. When you get a map, you're like, okay, where are we right now today? And if you're like me,
1: you study that thing for at least 15 minutes before you crack page one. Right.
0: <laughs> um, and... The, the luckily um the locations that are mentioned in the book are present on the map because i know that sure sometimes are. they'll be like let's do a map and we have broad geographical regions and then none of the cities are labeled or <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just a big it's just a big peninsula with just like some squiggles on it and it's like yeah, yeah fuck it good yeah
0: <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> i don't give a fuck yeah <laughs> but uh um that map will actually be up on our instagram um for this episode um Yeah, Yeah. and so we'll. we'll, I think uh, what we will try to do uh, is re-upload that same image every episode, but just like put a little circle about where we are in (laughs) the world. You are here. You are here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like like we're in a
1: dystopian mall. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: So that might that might be fun. Um, But yeah, so uh, let us get into the actual um, meat of the story so how we're going to do that is we're going to we're going to uh synopsize uh each section um this episode will be doing the prologue and the first chapter um so we'll synopsize the chapter and then um we will talk about things that we learned uh about the world from that chapter uh and um yeah All right. sound good to you are I'm you are you to ready in. to go okay let's fucking do it So, in the prologue, we meet a weary band of travelers in a rain squall just after a woman in labor comes out of the forest asking for help, right? Uh, The woman has died in childbirth, or so it appears, and so... Take two. Take two. (laughs) The woman has died in childbirth, and so it appears, has the baby. Just when they are going to perform funeral rites, a pale man comes out of the forest and stops them. He says there will be a baptism after all. The woman was the mother of his child, and that she, had she loved someone else, she would be alive. The travelers are skeptical, but he seems the but he ass- assures them that it is necessary. He recites a magic chant over the child and travels into death to retrieve them. As soon as he does so, he encounters an old enemy named Caragor holding the spirit of the baby, and plans on using its life force to travel back into life. After a verbal exchange, the baby cries, distracting Caragor and allowing the pale man to use a magic bell against his enemy. He brings the baby back into life and names her Sabriel. He asks the midwife to accompany him to his house to take care of the baby. Realizing that his house is no place for children, he asks instead to join their band of travelers. He then officially introduces himself to the group as Abhorsen, a necromancer whose purpose is to lay the animated dead to rest.
1: Well, first off, I want to say I'm so glad you're here because I've been reading these names in my head and I have no fucking (laughs) idea how to pronounce any of them. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Something that comes up in this series a lot is that uh, a lot of the people's names um, are very similar to... Names that we are familiar with, but just yeah. kind of
1: off. Well, even the, even the title character, Sabriel, Gabriel, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's one letter off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I say I say Sabriel. Some people say Sabriel. Yeah. Um, I figured
1: it was just like a, you know, tomato, yeah, model thing.
0: Exactly. Uh, I know that Garth Nix drew heavily on, uh, uh, was inspired by the names of angels in how he, like, the naming sense. convention in a lot of the characters... Um, in the book, especially um, when it comes to um, something called the and line, which we will get much into later.
1: No, I'm glad you said that about the angels. That actually, it, that was something I've noticed. That a lot of the characters' names, as I've you know been mm-hmm. reading the series for the first time uh, and getting to know these characters, is yeah, a lot of biblical influenced names, mm-hmm. not like taken directly, but right, influenced. right. There's
0: you, you also get um, it's. Uh,
1: now we're talking Christian Bible,
0: obviously. Uh, right, right, right. Um, the seven bells of the name of the podcast um, comes from something that we will learn in chapter one. Yes. I'm just going to like jump ahead a little bit, but um, yeah, for the
1: prologue, we we get an introduction to the story, and here we go. This yeah. is what we're this is what we're doing. So yeah. Um, as for a ranking, give it a five out of seven. You know, you give it a five out of seven. I'm All excited
0: right. to get. I'm excited to see where we're going. Yeah. Um, but the the basically there's seven bells uh, mm-hmm. that. Uh, have names and each of those names is also um very angelic uh, mm-hmm. in a way um and that ties into the lore in a deeper sense i would imagine yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's very interesting and we will we will get there in like two years <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's just look at my watch and...
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the, br- the brief synopsis of the prologue, but there's certain things that we learn about the world in which this sort of takes place. Um, the first is that with, uh, within the first line of the first chapter, uh, we get a sense the world operates under some very strange rules. Uh, the opening begins with the weather uh, and says, quote, Noonday sun could be seen shining on the other side of the wall in Encelstierre. And not a cloud in sight. Here, there was a clouded sunset, and a steady rain had just begun to fall. So, obviously, uh, time and space is fucked up. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's <laughs> it's, it's a little uh, it's a little warped. It's like you know, I don't know, being on top of a mountain, and the weather just kind
0: of does. <laughs> right, it's like there's no predicting it. Right, um, but the fact that like. <laughs> The it's not even like the weather itself, but the time of day is different. Yeah. It's I like they that. get noonday sun, we get sunset. Yeah. So I didn't it's even think about that. Completely yeah, okay. <laughs> like that's how alarming the shift is between like anselstier which is the city south of the wall, and then where in in this prologue it takes place in the Old Kingdom, there's like a complete break from reality uh, nature's rules
1: let's call it yeah yeah (laughs) everything is
0: turned on its head it's it's very fascinating right yeah um uh, we also learned that people in this world use a form of magic um that can even travel in and some people can travel into death Mm -hmm. which is like hey that's a cool thing you can do
1: going between worlds Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is you know it's it's a concept we've seen in a lot of different works of fiction but um it i think it really works here yeah. And we'll get more into that uh, as uh, as we go on i assume.
0: Yeah, and there i have some notes about chapter 1 that tie back into that. We'll get into that. Um uh, we just keep getting ahead of ourselves. We're just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we also learned that death in this uh world takes the form of a river, which yes. is also very interesting. A silvery river. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it silvery? That's how i
1: imag- how i imagined it. How I, <laughs> I I mean this might be getting ahead a little bit, but uh how i imagined the other side is it's a completely black void, almost like, uh, you remember Asteroids, the uh, computer game? Oh, yeah. Where it's all black with, uh, whites, with uh, white lines. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I picture it. Is Oh, uh, very,
0: very... um, uh, All
1: blacked out, but you can still see the outlines like it was the uh, real world, but it's all just in black and white outlines. And then hmm. there's a silvery river rushing through. That's Interesting. Wh- that's how I imagined it. Hmm fascinating yeah aren't, aren't <laughs> books fun sure with your with your little mind world <laughs> and a bunch some of might helps. call it <laughs>
0: an imagination i got one of those wow <laughs> okay <laughs> we <laughs> promise we won't do that ever again <laughs> <laughs> i make no promises <laughs> so moving into chapter one we meet Sabriel again as a young woman, about 18 years old. She is a prefect of Wyverley College. And there's a note that says it was established in 1652 for ladies of quality. And I believe it that college is located... It's actually on the map. It's uh, Yeah, it's on the map um, that you'll see. It is uh, 40 miles south of the wall.
1: There you go. Please look <clears> at your <throat> accompanied map.
0: Yes, that's on our Instagram. (laughs) Uh, We meet Sabriel again as a young woman, about 18 years old. She's a prefect of Wyverley College, established in 1652 for young ladies of quality. Uh, You can see it on your map. Prim and proper. Yes. And is kneeling over a pet rabbit that has recently been hit by a car. A bunny from beyond the grave. <laughs> as the rabbit's owner, Jacinth, is running to find Bunny, uh, we see Sabriel perform a small but forbidden feat of magic to bring the rabbit back to life. She's a necromancer. She's, she has the same powers as her father. <gasps> uh, also, for those of you who prefer uh, listening to a book on, on tape... Uh, book on tape is a dated term. <laughs> yeah. uh, an audiobook. Um, please, please check out the versions that are narrated by Tim Curry because they are magical. Uh, I and, still need to listen to those. <laughs> oh, man. And the way he narrates, bunny Bunny, Bunny, Is the best thing. <laughs> you have it as your ringtone. <laughs> I do. Uh-oh. Uh, so it is clear that magic is not done in these parts as she lies about doing anything and turns the conversation to as to why jacinth was out of school bounds so she immediately is just like (laughs) jacinth is like there's nothing there's nothing under the blood like he's (laughs) fine she's like why that's not important why were you out of school bounds (laughs) she's like oh right authority (laughs) (laughs) funny how power works (laughs) right so we learned that Sabriel uh, has been at the school since she was five, and that her father comes to visit her in person twice a year, but he will also send a, quote, sending of himself on the new moon. Yeah, like an astral projection or mm-hmm. something like that. It's- I have
1: down in my notes,
0: astral projection absentee father. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> um, but uh, it, you know what it reminds me of? It re- uh, reminds me a lot of uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban Or maybe later books when Harry is, like, um, talking to Sirius Black through the flu network in the, in the, um, you have not read Harry Potter. (laughs) Fuck! Okay. Right over my head. For (laughs) listeners, in Harry Potter, he he talks to his uncle Sirius Black through the fireplace, um, and... (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Right.
1: I just (laughs) get. Alex was just explaining that whole Harry Potter to me, and I'm just like, I am just like a kid who didn't do his homework. It's like,
0: (laughs) uh, uh huh. Oh. (laughs) So for the listeners, that's what it reminds me of. Zach can fuck off. <laughs> he can read a goddamn book in his life. That's what he can do.
1: <laughs> I read the first Harry Potter and I didn't care to go off.
0: That's fair. She has a lot of stuff about how fat people are bad mm. <laughs> or ugly people are evil. Like anyone who's anyone who's like a bad person also is either disabled, disfigured, or overweight.
1: Mm.
0: And you're like that says something there. Wow, J.K. Rowling. Yeah,
1: well, and the whole, you know, going back and changing everything. And the, turns out the death of anti-Semitic, too.
0: <laughs> I believe in death of the author <laughs>
1: for the most part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at Star Wars, but <laughs> right, we've read right. a lot.
0: <laughs> uh, A quick side note. Uh, death of the author is, for those who might not know, is uh-huh. the idea that once an author puts out a piece of work, that that work then exists on its own um and uh basically it's no longer theirs they can't go back and edit it or change it or redefine it or add greater context to it it's just it is what it is um and that's that that's Uh, the vision that's why i mentioned star wars don't pull a george lucas exactly george lucas and jk rowling do not apparently believe (laughs) in death of the author so they go back and they add stuff um to the universe that doesn't necessarily make sense like jk rowling recently said that you know way back when wizards didn't have indoor plumbing so they just pooped on the floor and then matched it away which is the most (laughs) why did we need to know that (laughs) the most (laughs) absurd thing i've ever heard as if you know zach has not read harry potter past the first book but in the second book a major plot point has to do with a giant snake monster using the what i'm sorry can you say that again the the plumbing (laughs) of the ancient wizarding school
1: (laughs) Yeah, there is a scene in the bathroom in the first movie, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm
0: sure it could be retrofit, but you know uh, when, No j- when this in when this is a secret chamber <laughs> it's called the chamber of secrets (laughs) in the name of the book the the secret chamber of secrets is accessible by the pipes it's like they didn't find it when they were retrofitting the school for plumbing once they realized that shitting on the floor is not the most hygienic because even in the wizarding world germs still exist
1: Well a chamber pot of secrets oh
0: god (laughs) that's a good one thank you yeah (laughs) anyway yes death of the author (laughs) (laughs) really important don't be a george lucas don't be a jk
1: rowling nobody wants to be them
0: like uh, i'm sure everyone wondered why dumbledore never married but her being like i always saw him as a giant gay it's like (laughs) oh right like i'm as gay as coming a mustache but (laughs) i don't (laughs) i don't need dumbledore to be gay and it honestly like distracts from (sighs)
1: Anyway, you know, those jelly beans well, turns <laughs> out they actually give you AIDS.
0: <laughs> God. Wizard AIDS. Wizard AIDS. <laughs> Chocolate frogs are laced with allergy. Okay. Um. We digress. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I have a co-host, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know how much good I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping me from just reading the synopsis and being like, and that's what happened. The end. Who I, wasn't entertained? I wash my hands of this. <laughs>
1: yes you're the punchiest pilot of podcasting
0: okay (laughs) so we learn that sabriel has been at the school since she was five and her father comes to visit her in person twice a year in midsummer and midwinter but he will also send a sending of himself on the new moon okay like you do it was the new moon in november and she wanted to talk to her father about her future of going to university farther south um, which would be good for her. Like, her headmistress wants her to go to university because she's about education. Yeah. And um, she wants to talk to her dad because her dad's this, like, powerful fucking necromancer in the yeah. old kingdom. He's a big magic guy. He's a big magic guy. And she's like, yeah, so the farther <laughs> south I get from the wall, the less my magical powers will... Yeah, it seems know.
1: to be realm-based, uh, yeah, the yeah. magic.
0: Um, and okay. that's in my in my What We Learned From This chapter, um, is that... Uh, the farther you get from the wall, the less magic there is. Or that mm-hmm. magic comes from the Old Kingdom, essentially. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's this blurb in, in the chapter, which I didn't really synopsize um, about. Like, kind of... She got first... She already graduated, but she got, like, this rank in this class, and this rank in this class, and blah, blah, You can it mm-hmm.
1: with it. She ranks very highly. She's a good student. She's a
0: good student. It <laughs> says she got second in fighting arts, like... Third in etiquette and first in magic, yeah. which of and course fourth is... fourth in math. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: God damn it! <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> uh, but uh, it also mentions that magic uh, is not on the cur- the official curriculum of yeah. the school, quote unquote curriculum. Quote unquote, like it's so it's taboo in Anselstier or the farther south you get. Um, so people will send their children to the school and pay top dollar to have them educated in. Uh, you know, in how to be a a mage or use magic. Um,
1: I I went to Catholic school. I know how that goes. (laughs) God damn it. Okay.
0: (laughs) So it was the new moon. It was the new moon. She wanted to talk to her dad um, about going to university. Um, It also mentions that she would be able to... um, (laughs) uh talk with boys which are at a, a a dearth of them are around the women's college yeah um, so she's like boys boys. <laughs> mm. Mm. um <clears throat> but so uh she wants to talk to him about the stuff because it's important for her future but it's after midnight and he hasn't shown up and it's the first time he's never shown up for one of these meetings and yeah she's he's starting got a
1: fancy chair he shows up at every time
0: yeah yeah it's the the chair the in the study or whatever yes i think yeah mm-hmm and uh so she's kind of she's kind of worried so suddenly a younger student bangs on the door saying she heard a noise outside and thought it was another student having a midnight a couple students having a midnight feast without her yeah she got jealous yeah she got jealous she opened the door but it was a door to the outside and you don't do that um But instead of her students, it was a large black shape. And she's like, oh, God. And she slammed the door. And Sarah was like, you don't open outside doors this close to the wall. What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Um, And so she runs to the dormitory to find it standing at the other end. And it's a large black lumbering shape made of like shadow creature shadow creature right it's actually um, on the
1: cover if you look at it if you've looked up uh, the artwork well, like we told you to
0: uh technically i don't believe that that is the shadow creature uh referenced in uh this chapter
1: mother of god
0: yeah i think it's actually caragor mentioned in the prologue
1: mm. Mm. makes sense looking over,
0: yes. mm, looking over the shoulder yes the like, what you want caragor fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> you <laughs> little bitch <laughs> <laughs> um so, large black lumbering shape shadow creature obviously from the death realm but holding a cloth bag
1: mm-hmm. a sack
0: a sack yes the so, sack of horrors <laughs> she steps into death to see its true shape only to find it is controlled by an umbilical thread leading further into death which means it can be under the control of it like whoever has the other end of that string mm-hmm. that's who's controlling this this Ghost tether ghost tether. yeah, yeah. so uses magic. Um, she doesn't have any tools with her, so she uses a, a single clap and she whistles a few notes, which is a a theme in the way magic is used in this universe is that there's a lot of like sound or music used mm-hmm. to to invoke certain things. Um she uses magic in the form of claps and whistles to orient the thing and it drops the bag and loses its balance. At this point it cries out to her in her father's voice and tells the her to grab does. the bag. Yes, the creature does, not the bag. The yeah. creature <laughs> calls out to her and says, My messenger, and she's like, What the fuck? Um so As she we all would. She grabs the bag and uh the the thing gets swept swept beyond the first gate, and so yeah. death is apparently um we there's gates uh, of some form that yeah, I'm yeah, sure it's we'll like be expanded upon exactly like disney world <laughs> you vomit waiters- everywhere <laughs>
1: vomit you wait in long lines and and really when it comes it's not very satisfying
0: exactly mm. <sighs> okay so once she's back in life she opens the sack only to find her father's sword and his bandolier of seven bells the tools of a necromancer
1: Yeah, aforementioned Don, don,
0: don. and
1: i do want to shout out the author here because he uh, does an amazing job of descri- describing um, both the environment and objects in the world of mm-hmm. just like the rich mahogany handles of the bells and mm-hmm. just like... The it- leather
0: bandolier and it mm-hmm. smells of beeswax.
1: Exactly. He, he, he's a very good world builder. I do appreciate that about Mr. Nix.
0: Yes, he's great. Uh, and, and I was reading, a, I read some interview with him or some supplemental material where he went to talk about how in his style of writing, he doesn't solve a problem or describe something unless it is relevant. Mm -hmm. So unlike people like Tolkien or other authors where they spend a lot of time um, investing in the sort of like hyper-realistic detail of their descriptions. A lot of boring feasts. Yes, (laughs) yes. But for some people who really like to to like really get a, a crystal clear image of what someone is trying to create that can be a good thing. Some people like that. Sure. But nicks on the other hand, if it's not relevant to the story or it's not does is not going to come back later, he won't kind of I guess waste his time. So Which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, as a
1: reader, I appreciate that.
0: He's very efficient.
1: Yes, I like it a good efficient writer. I like an efficient pitcher and I like an efficient writer.
0: <laughs> um yeah, so she she has her dad's bells and sword, which is a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Something's um, happened to daddy. Yeah, something happened to dad. um So she realized that she must go into the old kingdom to find her father mm-hmm. because he's either dead or trapped in death, and so she has to find his actual body. Yeah, somewhere in the old kingdom.
1: So we've got a quest to go on.
0: <clears throat> yes, and so like even at the end of the first chapter, it's like. Um, here you go like i think even even in harry potter it wasn't until like chapter three something like that where you you even get to hogwarts uh yeah we like when the, does hagrid show
1: up uh, i think wizard harry. You know, wizard harry i think
0: that's chapter three or four yeah, like, yeah. i don't even know it's been know. too long it's, since i read it it's it takes forever and this <laughs> this is you get a you get a prologue you get a chapter one and then there's your mission. Boom, we're
1: right into there's it. There's your story. Yeah. There's your conflict. It's like Skyrim. We're right into, into Done. the story. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, so in my and what did we learn from uh about what did we learn about the world section after this chapter? Um <laughs> so <laughs> something uh, that I didn't put in the synopsis um like a dick. The rabbit that was hit by a car. Bunny. Bunny. Um it's described as having unnaturally clean fur because it has just escaped from a bath. And that tells me that Garth Nix knows nothing about rabbits. Yeah. You don't bathe rabbits. Never bathe a rabbit. (laughs) It will, it will flail and it will snap its own goddamn spine or have a heart attack or have a heart attack. (laughs) Like is never bathe a rabbit ever, 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 ever.
1: I'm a, I'm a bunny, uh, dad. And yeah, (laughs) never. They keep clean by themselves. They're like cats. It will (laughs) die. Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) Uh, we learn that sabriel has the same abilities as her father um we learn that magic can only be done in incelsior close to the wall that separates it from the old kingdom implying that magic comes from the old kingdom her father is either dead or trapped in death Mm -hmm. normal uh, normal necromancy is free magic not bound by the charter but the abhorsen's form laying the dead back to rest is
1: yeah and it's a i believe the quote is a binding not rising so they're not actually raising people from the dead. It's a, bu- it's a spellbound uh, vessel. Y- yes, so yeah.
0: they're they're basically finding things that are dead, binding them with their necromantic powers. Uh, one of the other things we learn is that uh, normal necromancy is called free magic, and it's capitalized in the book, um, and it's not bound by the Charter, which is also capitalized. So free magic and the Charter are things that exist in this universe it's magic without rules, it seems. Right, yeah. Like a chaos magic. Yeah, and the charter is like um, in the in the prologue, um, there's a baptism where they the the person who's baptizing has a, a charter mark on his forehead in wood ash, and when he baptizes the child, um, it transfers to the mm-hmm. child.
1: Yeah, if you're all familiar with uh, sigils at mm-hmm. all, if you do actually practice any type of magic... Uh chaos right hand left hand whatever it might mm-hmm. be you're probably familiar with sigils and firing them out and all of that
0: yeah, yeah.
1: they're magic they're magical
0: uh symbols that uh give have power, meaning, power. And meaning yeah. power exactly yep uh yeah and so uh, in this world necromancy is free magic not bound by the charter but the abhorsen whose job it is to bind the dead sabriel's father sabriel's father his form of magic, he's a necromancer, but it is charter magic, mm-hmm. which is interesting.
1: <clears throat> which is uh, where the quote in the book, uh, binding, not raising, comes from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, a cleaner form of necromancy, it seems, yeah, to be the way that it, he's written like, around it.
0: It's like, um I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I can't do it. Well, because
1: necromancy is usually seen as the dark art or like a really negative thing a lot of the times, and I think this is his kind of way of like, No, no, he's doing this, you know, a subversion of uh, the negative connotations that come with necromancy. Okay,
0: if pink flamingos (laughs) is queer culture. Sure, okay. It's like, (laughs) necromancy, free magic necromancy is pink flamingos. Mm Mm-hmm. Charter magic necromancy is the musical version of hairspray. Oh, totally get it. That okay. is a great metaphor.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, no, no. no, cool. no. one's gritty, dirty, and nasty. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that is a great metaphor. Perfect.
0: <laughs> um, and the last thing we learn, um, kind of within the first, the prologue and the first chapter, is that people who use charter magic. Or who are, quote, called charter mages, sometimes have a sometimes visible charter mark on their forehead mm-hmm. that they can touch to show that they are a charter mage yeah. and that they have not been corrupted by free magic.
1: Which we learn Saffriel is. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Because well she learns, you know, yeah, at the end yeah, of that. The, the
1: head, chapter. master, mistress, I don't know the term for it. I forgot. This it. is Umbraid, I think? Sure. <laughs> no, no, that's bad. <laughs> uh, so the her. Uh, what is that what what that what is that called what the uh, the woman that uh mad that like he- she's like the headmaster she's the lady Head that mistress
0: yeah is that what it is um i'll pull it up here
1: she's the lady that drags sabriel out of the dead realm when she receives the magical artifacts for the first time oh yeah of the school um, and i
0: think she doesn't so much drag she's kind of like comes up and she's it says she felt something tugging at her yeah. form and so she comes back in her life and, the, and she's like what is that tell me what it is (laughs) (laughs) Um, something tugged at sabriel's physical body and she reluctantly twitched her senses back to the living world a slight feeling of nausea rising in her as a wave of warmth rushed over her death chilled body what is it said a calm voice close to sabriel's ear an old voice tinged with the power of charter magic miss greenwood the magistrix of the school
1: magistrix never would have came up with that on my own yeah
0: (laughs) And, and it's another line here, which I really like the way um, he writes the way the kind of magic works. Um, Sabriel kind of describes uh, what it, what it is. Um, and and Miss Greenwood said, why is it here? Asked the magic magistrics. Her voice sounded calm, but Sabriel felt the charter symbols gathering in her voice, forming on her tongue, symbols that would unleash lightning and flame and the destructive powers of the earth. Cool. So it's like you, the fact that as a magic user in this world you can kind of sense and you can feel the essence of the magic that's forming even though it's unspoken
1: yeah it's almost like a weird force if you want to get uh, pop culture with it
0: yeah
1: yeah there's there's a magical sense i forgot why i brought her up Uh (laughs) um i don't remember doesn't matter
0: yeah so that wraps up uh the prologue and chapter one of sabriel uh join us next time on uh, the seven bells when we discuss chapter two so zach uh after reading uh chapter one how would you rate that on a scale of one to seven
1: i'd rate it about a five out of seven same as the prologue okay basically because it does the same thing but it gives more uh it gives us our starting quest this is the you know the opening of any good book any piece of fiction you need to have a quest you need to have here are your goals here are your tools go and right right this is that's where we're going so yeah. it's, i'm excited
0: it, it's really efficient but it's not necessarily as uh exciting you would say as like the opening of the golden compass have you heard of the golden compass i sure haven't oh, okay. um, but, well the golden compass the first chapter opens with a, an attempted assassination and child abduction
1: all right that's a bit more exciting than yeah. what we're dealing with but <laughs> i will say like like we mentioned earlier uh He, uh, the author, uh, Mr. Nix does not waste our time. And I like that. He, we just, we're just into it and let's go. Yep. And I'm, and, uh, and I'm here for the journey. So I'm excited to, uh, see where we go in our next episode.
0: Sweet. And that'll be on chapter two, maybe chapter two and three. We'll see how, uh, the timing works. Um, we'll probably end up spending about half an hour per chapter, which is probably about the length that we want these episodes to be. Yeah. So um, yeah, join us next time on the Seven Bells, and uh, and and please, please pick up a copy um, yourself to read along. Um, please
1: do it's a it's an excellent. If you like fantasy at all, uh, even though it may be uh, labeled as young adult, it, it, this doesn't feel young at all. This just feels like a book I'm reading, a mm-hmm. fantasy book, and mm-hmm. it's it's solid. The characters are good, and the world building's good. What do you want?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, if you want to, um, if you're a fan of the books already or you want to read along with us and you have uh, points you want to make about um, episodes or uh, chapters that we're reading, uh, you can email us at sowdylearn at gmail.com because we are part of the So What Did You Learn podcast network. We don't have our own unique email address uh, because I am lazy. So uh, email us there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you can. Follow Zach at the Insta Twitter, I guess. <laughs> uh, I you, can,
1: you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> if you want, um, at uh, Zach Kowalski, all one word. Um, and you can follow the So What Did You Learn uh, Network at uh, somebody dy Learn uh, on so, Twitter,
0: so W D Y learn? Yeah, I fumbled through that okay, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> uh,
1: but we're we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and every podcasting service you could think of. And if we're not on it, let us know. Yeah, and we'll be on it.
0: Yell at us, we'll be like, fine, we'll upload it. <laughs> don't, don't hurt me. Again. Please stop screaming.
1: Please. <laughs> 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 we'll put it on Himalaya. I promise. <laughs>
0: Fucking Himalaya. Okay. Right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. We
1: love you. The Seven Bells Podcast is brought to you by the So What Did You Learn Podcast Network. If you like what you heard, please rate and review our content on iTunes and check out our other shows under the So What Did You Learn Network.